This one's gonna be a good one, yo. I'm telling you, welcome back to Draft Fives, by the way. It's gonna be a good one, because today we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. Dude, yo, two consistent playoff contenders in the NFC. Yo, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be fun. Anyway, so let's get down to brass tacks. This is the first draft we're doing is the one that everybody keeps bragging about, right? They were so good. They were so great. CeeDee Lamb fell to them at 17. That's right. We're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, everybody. And I, I don't disagree. I think they had a great draft. They uh, And you have to start out with the CeeDee Lamb pick, right? Now, it's weird. When you think about the context of the team, uh, I know a lot of people are like, well, did they really need it? And it's like, no, but... Uh, I, I think part of it was is that you had, a, as as far as it goes, uh, he was a top six player on their board. This is by Jerry Jones and his people's uh, say. So it must be true, right? They can't be lying to us. They just have no incentive to do that. But, yeah, they, so according to Jerry Jones and crew and company, he was a top six player on their board pre-draft. That's why they gave him no pre-draft interview because they didn't think he was going to be there, right? Uh He's big. He's strong. He's tough. He's a great route runner. He uh, and in fact, when they were when he fell to them, they had three trade offers, right? So uh, with Ceedee Lamb, right? Ceedee Lamb, top six player on their board. I watched his tape, dude. He is a monster. He, I listen. You, I wa I walked into it going like, you know, like, a but clearly it's the like the great route runner Jerry Judy is the best guy, and I kind of was shifting back and forth between him and Jerry Judy as best receiver in this class. He didn't deal with a lot of press, but I got to tell you, man, he's going to the best situation because you have Michael Gallup, you have Amari Cooper. All three of these guys are versatile, can play anywhere along the line of scrimmage. Again, the, all three of them can play X, Y, and slot. X, Y, and slot. X and Z and slot. So, yeah, you could any one of them could line up at split end, and if C.D. Lamb is not able to line up at split end and not handle uh, – uh, uh, coverage uh, handle press coverage right away. You already have Amari Cooper, who's going to be you know dictating some of the, the the defenses already. And then you also have the Michael Gallup coming on in year three. He already had a thousand yards last year. He's big. He's strong. He plays the split end very well. Uh, so you can line up CD and Amari at at flanker and slot. And I think really what they're going to do is utilize C.D. Lamb at big slot. Like, dude, imagine him as a big slot guy. Like, he's your third option, and he's the big slot. Like, kind of like a, a Marquise Colston from all those years ago with the Saints. Just this big guy who's muscling over defensive backs, and he's quicker than linebackers, and just – like. Because he's a bully, he's a bully at the catch point. This is what I love about him is that he's he's a, he's a tough guy, and it's honestly going to give Amari Cooper probably the best running mates that he's had since like his time in Oakland, right? When they had it was him and Crabtree. I thought that was a very good pairing. Now you have him, Gallup, and Ceedee Lamb. Dude, these three guys are are monsters, right? Now here's the problem. Dak Prescott's got to show up, right? Like there actually is this big worry about Dak. I don't know if there's a big worry. I think I think they feel like they're gonna get him, but you know Dak Prescott's on the franchise tag, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. But for right now, we're talking Dallas Cowboys. We're talking their draft. So I, you know, I watched the interviews with uh, with Jerry Jones on his giant yacht. Uh, he's talking about how he's been in three different places at once because it's a yacht. 
uh, again, guy who they did not think was going to be there. They didn't do a pre-draft interview. They were not expecting him to be there because he was so high on their board. So they get him. Second round, they get Trev, uh, Trevon Diggs, uh, Stephon Diggs' brother out of Alabama, and they liked him a lot. They interviewed him. They thought he could be a difference maker, can help with the the loss of Byron Jones. He uh, he spent a lot of time. Uh, they spent a lot of time on him at the combine, and uh, uh, you know, and also doing interviews. They they mentioned his ball skills, his ability to to be a returner. The and they didn't even think he was going to be there either. Like they, by the time they got to him, he got to them in the second round. Like this was possibly the guy they were going to go with with their first round pick, right? And he fell to them in their second round. Uh, you know, again, they make a point about him playing the ball well. Uh, it's part of his game. And they made actually made reference to like you know his, his you know his development growing up, how close he is with his brother. They're, them losing their father early on. So the familial connection. And also, like, you know, there is that little long game, like long con play. Like, eventually Diggs is not going to be playing for the Bills, you think. Maybe they're like, hey, maybe down the line he'll come to us. So uh, that's an interesting thought. Uh, they have Neville Gallimore, right? That was their third-round pick. They were picking between Neville Gallimore and Trevon Diggs in the second round. That was really their, their mix on their board. They were like, yo, we... We, we like both these guys. We think they could both be difference makers, and they lean towards Trevon Diggs. It makes sense. They lost Byron Jones. The rest of their defensive backs don't really like, you know, it's, he's a different he's a different sized dude as well, just a different kind of playmaker. So now you get this guy in the second round. You have CeeDee Lamb, who you thought was a top 10 pick, and then Neville Gallimore, who you were willing to spend the second round pick that you spent on Trevon Diggs, and it really was uh, an argument for them internally, right? You know, they looked at Neville Gallimore. They're like, dude, this guy is is impressive. His way to you know fly down the line of scrimmage. He's a three tech in their defense. Mike McCarthy says, uh, you know, we're you're, you're gonna you know most of the time you're in sub defense anyway. But generally speaking, like he's you're gonna be able to utilize this guy a lot. And in base, he's probably gonna be their three tech. I again, this was uh, they had a really good draft. These three guys, you know, on their board was really high, on my board, on general consensus boards. Um, you know, I, I think they had a really good draft in the first three rounds. Even uh, in the first two rounds. Then, uh, three rounds, the uh, first two days. Then you get to day three, right? And they had, I think, two two out of the four picks they had on day three were really goddamn good, man. Uh, you know, they took Reggie Robinson uh, out of Tulsa. I wasn't really high on him. Wasn't somebody who was high on my board or my conscience, my conscious. But they took him in the fourth round. But two guys they took after him were Tyler Beatus out of uh, out of Wisconsin. Runs a pro style offense. Uh, now you have you just lost Travis Frederick, right? Now you get to repl- you know you now have a, a group of guys who can compete for center. And also, you got to realize Connor Williams is coming off an ACL tear that happened late last year. So those two guys kind of made a good move that they went ahead and said, hey, we're going to go ahead, we're going to get an offensive lineman. I'm shocked they didn't take one sooner, but it wasn't a great offensive line class in the early, you know, couple rounds. Like, there weren't a lot of elite-tier guys early on. You know, this is where you're going to find some of your playmakers or players, you know, in the future. So he's going to compete probably with Connor McGovern, uh, of of the Cowboys, there's also a Connor McGovern on the Jets, who was previously on the Broncos. Two guys who both play interior line, kind of fun, um, having the same name. I know I got confused with that for a bit. I'm like, I thought that guy got drafted last year. How's he free free agent? Then I found it out when I looked it up. 
So anyway, you get uh, you get those two guys, uh, and then they go ahead and they take Bradley and Nye, right, out of Utah. And I liked Bradley and Nye. I know there's a lot of questions with his production. Um, he ran a little hot and cold. Like they thought his, you know, uh, PFF wasn't high on him. A lot of people weren't really high on him. But dude, watch his tape. He beat up on Austin Jackson, which I mean, I guess it's not saying much. But dude, he he's fast. Now, I guess it's like it, the, uh, his athletic measurables really didn't like, – I, I don't know. I don't know why nobody liked him. I, I liked him. Fifth round, a steal. Um, they, this is the big problem, though, for them, right? Uh, part of what they've been doing is drafting best guy available, which I think is great. That's always the way to go. But draft best player available and try to fix things with trades and free agency. Um, the problem is they don't really have pass rush on their roster outside of uh, Tank Lawrence. Um yeah, Demarcus Lawrence. So, again, just quickly on their draft. You know, I watched their presser. Uh, they made big, big points to say they stayed true to their board. They had some interest in trading up, uh, but they they stayed pretty well with it. Uh, there there was interest in trading up in the in the first round if a guy fell to them. Uh, on day two, both guys, you know, they were big top end competition kind of guys. You know, Alabama and and uh, Oklahoma. Uh, their physical measurables fit their prototypes for what they want for those positions a- across the board. They had good production. And uh, like I said, it was a tough decision in the second round with Diggs and Gallimore. Uh, so, uh, you know, they and they almost went with Gallimore, apparently, because of the depth in the draft at corner. They almost went with Gallimore. They decided, you know what, we're going to go this way. And they felt like they got value where they drafted at. All three guys they felt were a value. In fact, Jerry Jones made it a point that in their mocks, that they did that uh there was like a one there there apparently in the second round there was like a one percent chance that Trevon Diggs was going to be there and he got to them somehow so they did try trading up in one of the the, the first couple of rounds uh no one would trade with them or you know uh and uh, they really liked the the Nick Saban connection for Trevon Diggs uh they like Alabama corners they, they made a point about that they said listen you know uh, Saban's a, a defensive genius, right? Uh, you know, he, he's Nick Saban for a reason. He's won all these college football championships. He used to be in the NFL. He, he plays an NFL pro-ready defense. We And we can communicate with him and talk to him, and we're usually on the same page when we ask Nick Saban, like, hey, you know, like, what, what do you think about this guy? You think he's going to translate well to our system? And apparently the answer is always, yeah, sure, I, I, yeah. Why would I lie? Why would I tell you any other thing other than absolutely? Well, apparently he has a good relationship with a lot of these teams, so it tells you why a lot of t- like, again. This is why you get the pipelines, right? They get it. You know these uh, these college coaches uh, have good friends in the NFL. They're willing to communicate to them what their players are good and are not good at. You know they run a good you know scheme or style that helps develop guys for the NFL, and eventually these guys develop and play in the NFL. Who'd have thought? Uh. Again, this was uh, – they even said it was one of the deepest uh, second-round drafts in recent history. Um, uh, they had the most amount of second-round grades that they've had. And it kind of makes sense. Like I think that there was a, a, a good argument as to – like I think a lot of players were very highly ranked, right? Now, again, we were talking before about uh, – uh, about what they did or didn't do in free agency, right? They lost, uh, you know, they re-signed Amari Cooper to a, a, an extension. They lost Byron Jones. They had a lot of guys that they re-signed from, you know, last year. Like uh, they they had uh, 
Leo Collins, who they re-signed. They did a lot of their deals coming into this year. So the main two deals coming into free agency were really their own, right? They had uh, they had Amari Cooper. And I don't want to rehash. I actually did an episode just last week about the Dallas Cowboys, so I don't want to rehash their free agency. But they did a few good things. They, you know, they got McCoy and Dontari Poe, so that should fill out their D-line depth. And now they even got Gallimore to kind of to, to be even, you know, to be involved in that as well. So their interior push is going to be great. Their problems with their edges, you know, they did re- they did sign uh, Alden Smith. They think Randy Gregory is going to be able to be reinstated. Both those guys are pending reinstatement. Uh, that I, I I think was good. Uh, after the draft, they went out. This is what I was talking about. Was you know after the draft, you still have other opportunities. There's a couple of corners out there. They went after uh, Daryl Worley, formerly of the Raiders, and a few other teams. He's been kind of a, a stopgap player, moved around quite a bit. So they went out and signed him. And that's kind of like I, I, I get what they're trying to do. All right, well we we didn't get every bit and piece that we wanted in this draft, right? Um, we got a corner, but corners take time to develop. Uh, they're like film or carrots. And so they went ahead and they, they stuck them in the draft. You know, they went ahead and they said, well, we got a fifth-round edge rusher uh, and a couple of corners in this draft. Uh, let's go ahead and make sure that we, we we can go ahead and have some of these guys develop, right? So it makes sense. I, I like their draft. I got to tell you, man. Uh, I was very high on CeeDee Lamb. I know – I think if you're going to look at consensus boards – listen, I think CeeDee Lamb was a top-10 player. I think Trevon Diggs was probably a top – 20 to 30 player and I think Neville Gallimore was a top 50 to 60 player so in all they got really good value for where they were picking and then even still I thought Bradley and Nye was a was a like a third fourth round fringe guy and he they got him in the fifth round Tyler Biotish I think went right where they needed him to you know where he should have went and now this team looks like it's ready to compete I don't think they are the favorites, though. I don't think there's a clear favorite in the NFC East because if you look at what they did, it was great. They still have questions on their roster, right? This happens. Like, this happens with good teams is that they lose players. They lost Byron Jones to free agency. And, uh, again, I think they've got a lot of good players there. I like what they did. This is, again, people were giving them A's and A-pluses. I think it's an A-plus draft. If you come out of a, a draft with – you know, three highly rated guys and two more guys you're pretty sure can start right away, uh, or at least one guy who could probably compete for a position right away, and then another guy who I, at least I felt could probably, I don't think he's going to play right away. I don't think Bradley and I is going to play right away, but I like Bradley and I. So, again, I liked this draft. I'm very interested in seeing this team. I think they're just going to go out like, listen, you know what? We're going to play, you know, Bonzi ball, right? Like, we're going to have Dak throw it to uh, Cooper and CD. Like, I, honestly, having th- uh, two elite receivers and one really good one, I think that really changes what, like, teams have to do to compete with you, right? You have a great O-line. It's not as amazing as it used to be. You have Zeke Elliott. He can pass. He can he can pass catch. He can you know he could run really well. And not for nothing, if you have Zeke Elliott, he's supposed to be making your O line look a little better. And I'm hoping he takes a step back forward this year. Last year he looked a little sluggish. Maybe it was because he wasn't in camp all year, all summer. Because again, he was holding out so he can get his new contract. No hating on that. Love the guy. Love the player. So where are we at with this team? I, I think they're gonna keep their ear to the ground in free agency you know they still had a little bit of money to play around with 
They, they weren't totally pushed up against the cap. They still have Dak Prescott on the franchise tag. I think that's really the worry, right? If, you know, the good thing is, is because of coronavirus, you don't really have to worry too much about Dak not being in team meetings where he's not building chemistry with CeeDee Lamb and he's not doing – like right now nobody's on the field anyway. So hopefully you get him to come in and show up and you're not running the risk of him show, waiting until you know week one of, of the season to show up and sign his tender like we've seen with other holdouts or rather – not holdouts, but people who've gone on other players that have gone unsigned on the franchise attenders. They'll wait past training camp and show up the because you don't want your quarterback showing up the the last day of training camp. We you don't want him showing up like the first day of the the season. That never works out well uh, for your quarterback. And I just don't think, especially with a new head coach with Mike McCarthy, uh, they got Nolan there now. And uh, they kept on Kellen Moore, so maybe they keep some of the schematics to it. Maybe even the play calling is very similar. But uh, I don't. I just like this draft. I think it was a good draft. I think a lot of people are going to say it's a good draft. Uh, we can move on to the Saints now, right? So I was saying before we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints, right? They uh, they did not pick very many players. Uh, I mean, I, and we'll go over the the depth chart. Oh, this, I mean, I, honestly, uh, if you want to go over quickly the depth chart of of the the Cowboys, you know, outside of those top three receivers, right? They uh, they still don't have a whole lot, right, as far as receiver goes. They, they got Cedric Wilson, uh, draft pick from last year, Noah Brown, Devin Smith, Dalton Schultz. I, I think they're going to, over the next couple of years, be trying to develop more uh, uh, more value for their uh, – for their O-line, right? That's why they took Biotis this year. You're hoping that you know between McGovern and Lumi and Williams comes back, that it's all going to be good. Uh, they have Mike Hyatt. They got Wyatt Miller. They, they're trying to, again, like I think they've got enough pieces there, but I could easily see this team not being as good as everybody thinks it is coming off this draft. Uh, let's just look at the D-line real quick, right? They got Tyron Crawford still, Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy, uh, their linebacking core is great. I said this before. Uh, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee, uh, Leighton Vanderesh. Uh, they were able to sign HaHa Clinton Dix. They have Xavier Woods, so their safeties are pretty dang good. Now they got Trevon Diggs and Shadobia Wouzier, Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown, Daryl Worley. They've got a lot of interesting pieces. Not an elite piece on that on those in those defensive backs, but good enough where they just have to be good enough. Right. So I think there is I think they I understand the people saying that these are this is the team that's going to make it to the the playoffs. They're the favorites in the NFC East. I'm not as quick to say that because, hey, I think the NFC East is going to be a little bit more competitive, at least because you have the Eagles there. And then you never know with the, the Giants. OK, Um. anyway, so, yeah, I, I like what they did. I like the team. And I just think there's there there's question marks still, at least defensively. And even offensively, too. Offensive line can still be a question mark. Biotis had took a step back last year a little bit. That's why he was available in the fourth round. He was being talked about as a fringe first-rounder last year, uh, going into this year. So, again, I think it was a great draft. I'm a little bit more worried about the team. Now we'll move on to the Saints. So the Saints, right, headed by Sean Payton. Uh they went ahead and right away in the first round took Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan. Uh, and they actually made a good point. I'm like, listen, he's got guard, center, flexibility. Him and McCoy can kind of swap around. They're going to try and test it out, see who's really the best out of the two of them. They have Warford. 
They have uh, uh not Andreas Pete the uh, uh Teron Armstead who actually does sometimes they have Andreas Pete yeah okay I was right Andreas Pete who they just resigned uh but they also can kick out Andreas Pete to tackle if uh Teron Armstead gets injured which has happened before. So they have, like, I, I thought it was an interesting draft, right? Because uh, the Saints are always very interesting. They never really have many picks. They seem to target their guys. This was actually something I thought was very interesting from watching these interviews with Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, is that they have a targeted structure. They know what they want. Uh, they put a lot of emphasis on football IQ, intelligence, if you will. That seems very important. They, they have a, uh, it feels like they have an in-house rubric. And then they even made a point of, listen, we don't have a lot of picks, and we 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 were willing to spend to go up because it's quantity, not qual. It's quality, not quantity. But specifically for us, it makes sense like that because we have a veteran roster, right? Like they have a lot of guys who are older, but not super old. They got a young roster too, but they they have like Marshawn Lattimore and uh and Jenkins. So they weren't worried really worried at corner. They weren't really worried at safety. They weren't worried at offensive line. The reason why they went for offensive line is they said, well, what's the one place we can get a little bit more of an improvement? And they said, well, interior offensive line, we could use an improvement, right? You know, Walford's on the last year, his contract. Uh, Andreas Pete, you just extended. You have Nick Easton. You have Eric McCoy. But again, like, you're always interested in, like, a, a, a improving your roster. You know, what if Teron Armstead gets injured again? Uh, you're always kind of like, okay, like, well, we need more. We, we again, Armstead gets injured. Uh, you kick Andreas Pete out, but then you also then, okay, well, you need somebody to replace Andreas Pete. So that's why, again, having that versatility there is very helpful. But let's go into it, right? Uh, they felt like interior O-line was a need going into the draft. This is what Sean Payton said, which I thought was very weird. Um they put a lot of emphasis on the interviews, on football IQ. It makes me wonder if they have like some kind of in-house test that they give these guys, uh, or is it just going over the X's and O's and kind of uh, maybe they play Madden with them. That'd be kind of cool. Maybe VR. I heard that was getting utilized a little bit, not this year, but in previous years. Uh, you know, they make sure that you know, like Ruiz. They made uh, Peyton made a point of like he's an A learning player. Like he is quick to learn. But not only that, he made all the calls on the O line while he was at Michigan. He he knows his shit. He's played this position at the highest level. He could be playing this position. Uh, he talked about consistency, makeup, strength, power. Uh, he mentioned like yeah, you know, and actually what I thought was interesting again was they ID'd players that they had a vision in. They had a board, and it fell as they expected. And then they said, "Listen, we're going to go for this guy." Mickey Loomis said, "Like you know, Caesar Ruiz is a tough uh, leader. This is what we wanted." And really, there were only two other guys who they mentioned who were on their board who went before Caesar Ruiz, who it seemed like they had an interest in. Right? This is what blew my mind. Right? I like listening to these interviews because this is where you get a little bit of the hint of is they were interested in AJ Terrell, who went to the Falcons, and Javon Kinlaw who went to the 49ers. Those were the three players they were super interested in in this draft. So uh, you know, it seemed like they were interested in moving up a little bit if one of those players fell you know, close to them, like maybe in the 20s or late teens. They would have maybe tried trading up to, to grab them. But they, they locked out. They said, listen, we got the highest guy on our board. We liked him. He, you know, he, he's intelligent. He's just good. You know, he'll make a true impact. And uh, though everybody's going to compete. And we felt like this was a need. So 
I don't know. I, I kind of like I like the, the the mindset, right? The processes. The processes are always fun to learn. That's what I really am getting out of these videos is the processes by which each of these teams go by. With the Saints, it's the uh, it, it's we we kind of know how to peg the players that we want. We don't really have many positions of need, so when we do, we go after certain players, and that's why Caesar Ruiz they put high football IQ very high on the list. Um, so. Day two is actually maybe the bigger like intrigue of all this, right? Uh, they were not; they didn't have a second round pick. They traded that last year uh, to to trade up with Miami so they can get Eric McCoy, the other interior lineman who they drafted last year. They uh, they were late in the third round. They had pick eighty eight, and uh, they were calling for like almost an hour to try and trade up. And they said we called all the way up to thirty three and beyond. Like we we were trying to get back up to get Zach Bond. Now, you call to make sure that, you know, you call a check is basically what they said. We called everybody because we wanted to make sure. And also, some teams had multiple picks between us and 33. Like, the Bengals had pick 33, but they also had pick 66, 66 or 67, right? They had the first pick in the third round as well, so 67. So, they're calling everybody, and they said, sometimes when you're talking to people with multiple... This is what I really found out, is when you're talking to teams with multiple picks in the same round, they're more interested in potentially trading back and missing on a player, which kind of makes sense, right? Like, if you've got one good guy, you're willing to take, you know, get more assets with the other pick. Which is why they trade with Cleveland. Cleveland had two third-round picks. Granted, it was their first third-round pick, but they were very high. So, they said, hey, we'll trade you our third-round pick next year, for your third round pick this year, and we'll, we'll just to trade up, we'll get our third round pick. He's got to move back like fifteen spots. Both sides were elated. Um, they also got a seventh rounder next year, so uh, from Cleveland to to get the third round pick. But basically, Cleveland was like, "Yeah, sure, we like picks, and especially top one hundred picks. Give us it up." So they traded up and they got Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. It took an hour to get the trade, and again, they talked about how his high character, how versatile he was. Uh, that he was very unique, right? He could be used as a design, a designated pass rusher uh, for a third-round pressure player. Uh, and keep in mind, the, play, the the Saints play a lot of man coverage. They blitz. They uh, So utilizing a player like that makes a lot of sense. It, it makes sense, especially when you don't have a lot of needs and you have a guy like Demario Davis there, Alec Anzalone. So you have a good linebacking core. And one of the things that Sean Payton talked about is, listen, we're not going to have a true offseason this year. Like We're going to probably get the training camp and everybody's got to hit the ground going. So we'd rather get guys that are ready to get you know, get their foot in the ground now. Like, for instance, Cesar Ruiz or Zach Bond and start moving the needle and start going. Or we want guys who, okay, like, you know what? Uh, they took Adam Troutman later on in the third round because they traded back in. They traded all their day three picks to get into the third round so they could take Adam Troutman. I thought that was a, an interesting trade. Adam Troutman's a very interesting player, small school guy, but they made a very, you know, they, they made a very good point that, you know, for a small school guy, he can inline and block really well. And that uh, he's got very loose hips. He's a very good movement guy. Uh, so that's what they were really interested in. They like the fact that, like, listen, this might this guy might be a good, not just a good inline blocker, but a good route runner too. Uh, this could be a very versatile, good weapon, you know. And he's going to go into a tight end room with Jared Cook, so he's not going to have to be important right away. And we could utilize this guy down the road. So uh, they they were very eager. Um, going back to Zach Bond, they said he could play Mike and Sam. Uh, they were willing to. He, they thought he'd be gone within the top twenty picks of the second round. 
These guys, all three of the guys that they drafted, they say were top 40 players on their board. I'm not entirely sure if that's true or not, but top 40 players on their board. So they really liked all three guys, Troutman, Zach Bond, and uh, Drew Brees. So, not Drew Brees. <laughs> Dork. No, uh, you, idiot. Uh, Cesar Ruiz. Drew Brees, Cesar Ruiz, they rhyme. It makes sense. All right, so they uh, all, all three guys were top 40 guys on their board. Uh, they, they again with Troutman. They made a very big point about the uh, about the combine, about his three cone, uh, and uh, again they were willing to trade up all their third round picks to go ahead and get to get Trout uh, to get Troutman. All their day three picks to go up back in and get Troutman. So they were basically done on day three. They weren't even going into day three with any picks, and they trade back in. They trade a bunch of picks next year to get back into day three so they could draft uh, uh, basically uh, Taysom Hill 2.0, Tommy Stevens out of Mississippi State. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. That one makes no sense to me. Um, So, again, I, I liked it. I thought tight end wasn't necessarily a Troutman made sense. Tight end's not necessarily a need. Uh, they did make a point that he's going to have to gain weight, but they love this change of directing and skills. Uh, they talked at the combine, the Super Bowl, and his rise to the level of competition. Uh, and that's all important because he came from a small school. Uh, and again, they made a big point about targeting players in the draft because their team is very different in makeup to other teams. Some teams that you can't do that. Like the Browns probably can't just go around targeting and moving up the, the draft and losing picks because they need to keep on building out the roster. Same thing with a, a team like the Giants, although the Giants would probably still do that. So who knows? Um, but they made a point that they're a, they're a playoff team. They've been to multiple playoff games. This is something that really works for them. Uh, and the main thing that they echoed was football IQ, football IQ and character. Uh, again, the, they, they, they have a vision and an affinity for a player. That's their philosophy, but it's always relative to your roster. So I liked the, this draft too. I thought it was a very interesting draft. I love these interviews, right? Like I learned a lot from these, these teams. Like if I was going to go ahead and build a team, which I don't, cause I don't have a team, but anyway, like I'm just saying, like I don't have a team to build right now. But you're learning a little bit about some what these teams like, right? Like with uh, with Sean Payton, he's, he's directed, right? And he's like, I I know going in, I like 40 players, and those are the guys I like, and I, that's who I'm going after. And then like you have like the the Dallas Cowboys, who are also both these teams very willing to trade up and down the board, whereas some teams like for instance the other day we did the Cardinals, they were not eager to trade up at all even when a player was falling that they really liked. So it's very interesting to get the mindset for some of these teams. Now, let's talk about the Saints. We talked about the Saints uh, recently as well. We did a Looking Forward series on both the, the Cowboys and the Saints. For the Saints, uh, they you know they added Emmanuel Sanders, right? But what I didn't talk about because this only happened recently is they signed Jameis Winston. So for all the talk about Taysom Hill being the future of that team, BS, they want another quarterback. They even mentioned that they were, but they didn't go into this draft with the uh, with the idea that they had to get a quarterback. Like They even said, like, listen, we are not targeting a quarterback in this draft. We didn't need to. We will kick that can down the road, And if, but if a guy falls to us, we'll take him. That's basically what they said. You know, I, I believe, actually, Jordan Love had actually been taken uh, 
right a- right after they'd picked. So Jordan Love was on the board. So if they really wanted Jordan Love, they could have had him. I, for them, it was, listen, we're going to build our team, and then eventually we'll, we'll deal with the quarterback question eventually. We think we have Breeze for a little bit longer, and if not, they must have already been talking to Jameis Winston too because, again, if Breeze is going to retire this year, which some people think, but Breeze did sign a two-year deal, uh, if, if he is going to retire – then it makes sense that Jameis Winston's in the building and, you know, if you get a real idea for his character and make of his football IQ and what he can do behind such a, 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 a good offensive line, a deep offensive line, you might get something out of it. So let's talk a little bit about Jameis Winston, actually. I know I talked about him on the live shows that we've been doing, but I haven't really talked about him on any of this. I think this was a good move. On his end, he's recouping value. He's going to a team that has an established starter that he can learn from, who's going to be willing to help him along. You know, he specifically mentioned in his interview Pete Carmichael Jr. and Sean Payton and Drew Brees and all the people in that QB room are going to really help him. You know, get better. He also had LASIK in the offseason. He could finally read license plates, which and, and signs. He could read signs. Maybe the problem was he couldn't identify who it was that was running at him. Like, oh, yeah, that, that orange looks a lot like green. All right, uh, we're wearing the creamsicle uniforms today. I might as well just throw it and see what happens. So, anyway, uh, you couldn't see where he was going half the time. Now, I, you know, maybe he could have been wearing contacts or, you know, glasses. But he, you know, now he got LASIK. He doesn't need them. So, Jameis Winston joins the Patriots. The Patriots, uh, not Patriots, the, the, the Saints. <sighs> Losing my mind, aren't I? They're losing, we're losing the Saints on this this podcast. So the Saints, they, he goes to the Saints. They now get a, a high-end backup. He gets to go to a place to recoup his value and maybe see if he could start there. They get a potential future guy who's not Taysom Hill because I don't believe Taysom Hill is really the future. This is, And I think it never was. I don't think he ever was the future. I think, And he went for a really cheap deal. Like barely over a million dollars. Goes from $20 million last year to $1 million this year. But I actually don't think it was a bad move. I think it was smart on both ends. He's going to develop. So let's talk a bit about these the, the Saints, right? We already talked about how deep their offensive line is. Uh, we know their running backs. Latavius Murray, Alvis, Alvis Kamara, Elvis Kamara, Alvin Kamara, Alvin! Alvin Kamara. Uh, we know the quarterback room. Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. They make their names everywhere. Tommy Stevens drafted in the seventh round this year. I think he's more of a special teams guy. Um, a real, real special team. They've uh, they got deep deep offensive line. The receiving core, on the other hand, right? <coughs> Manuel Sanders joins this team, along with Michael Thomas, and uh, you know, and then they also got Traquan Smith, who uh, can maybe take a step forward. They no longer have uh, Ted Ginn. He just signed today with the Chicago Bears. So what does all this mean, right? Or as of the time of this recording of this podcast, he signed with the Chicago Bears. What does all this mean? The, the receiving core actually might be even deeper. It might be a little bit better this year than it was last year. Uh, they still have Jared Cook, right? So you're talking about third year with Jared Cook. They got Josh Hill. Their tight end room looks kind of nice. They got Adam Trotman. He's going to kind of uh, – the thing with tight end is he's. it's kind of a position where it uh, it evolves into your roster. And actually, the funny thing about that tight uh, – the trade for Trotman was that it kind of just developed. They were like, wait a second, this guy keeps falling. Let's go for him. He's a top 40 guy on our board. We like this guy. And eventually, maybe he could develop into – Maybe something really amazing, like a really, really good player. So I kind of like it. I liked the, I, I liked their draft. It wasn't the same as every other draft. Um, defense, right? 
You got Cam Jordan. You got Sheldon Rankins. You got Malcolm Brown. You got Marcus Davenport. That's a great D-line, everybody. It's not the most amazing D-line in the world, but it's a solid D-line. You have to, you know, Marcus Davenport needs to continue taking steps forward. Cameron Jordan, all-pro player, one of my favorite players uh, in the NFL. Sheldon Rankins and Malcolm Brown, very good run stuffers. Uh not really great pass rush, but I think their plan is they, they like to utilize stunts and blitzes a lot more than some other teams. So they, they like to, to to get to to get after the, the quarterback in other ways. They play a lot of more man coverage because they have guys like Marshawn Lattimore. They have Janoris Jenkins. They actually signed Malcolm Jenkins, who was released by the Philadelphia Eagles, comes back home to the, the Saints. They got Marcus Williams. They got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who plays really well in the slot and plays safety, can kind of be a nickelbacker role as well for them. Uh, they also got uh, linebacking course pretty good too, right? They got Alex Anzalone. They got Zach Bond now. Uh, what else they got? They got Kiko Alonso. They got Demario Davis. They've got a lot of linebackers. Everybody, I think I was like four linebackers. Now, granted, they're going to utilize Zach Bond in different situations. Uh, they re-signed PJ Williams. You know, he played a little bit of slot corner for him a little bit. I, I, the team is deep, is very deep, and players like playing for them. I, that's one of those things I like pointing out is certain teams players like playing for, right? Uh, Seattle Seahawks, Philadelphia Eagles, and. Uh, and the New Orleans Saints, and it just seems like certain, like it, they that how, that's how you attract players for less money is you say, listen, uh, uh, we're gonna let you be you, and that's kind of like the Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles with uh, the New Orleans, uh, uh, that's the the Seahawks and the Eagles with New Orleans. It's you have the consummate professional in Drew Brees, you have Sean Payton who kind of really finds different ways of motivating his players and and really is about the motivational tactics and is kind of a funny, chirpy guy and is kind of goofy and is amazing and lovable because he's Sean Payton. What does this mean? They're still a perennial uh, playoff team. They always will be. They're amazing. Until Drew Brees walks into the, 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 out the door, they will be. So I I like the team. It's it, 2020 is amazing. 2021 is what I'm really curious about. So... I think they had a good draft by Saints standards. I think everything is it's all it's all relative, and I think the Saints had a good draft. I think the Dallas Cowboys had a good draft, and I think it was just a good draft in general. Anyway, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B R O J O Death at Thing That Happens When You Die. Punch the thing you drink in the summer, the Kool Aid guy. I gotta stop singing on these podcasts. Anyway, um, uh, yes, yeah, so you can follow me at Brozier Death Punch and uh, like, follow, subscribe, uh, rate, leave a review. Uh, tell me what your favorite candy is. And TTFN, ta-ta for now. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass. I'm about to